First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 721 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Victor Boyce joins me on the podcast today. Victor Boyce is somebody who has lived through a father's worst nightmare. His son, Cameron Boyce, died in 2019 at 20 years of age from sudden, unexpected death in epilepsy. Victor's son, Cameron, rose to fame and stardom on the Disney Channel comedy series, Jesse. He also played the title character in one of my daughter's favorite film franchises, Descendants. He was also the voice of Jake in the Disney Junior series, Jake and the Neverland Pirates, which was a favorite of my older boys while they were growing up. And in honor of his son's memory, Victor launched the Cameron Boyce Foundation, which is dedicated to funding research that can really uncover so many mysteries that are still It's amazing in 2023 with all the scientific advances that we have, there is still so much that is unknown about epilepsy uh, and especially sudden unexpected death in epilepsy. It affects many more people than you would think worldwide. November is Epilepsy Awareness Month, uh, but for Victor Boyce, every day is Epilepsy Day. I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. Victor Boyce is going to be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Victor Boyce was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you're going to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, you guys have heard me talking about it for the last few weeks. I am three days away from the U.S. Navy SEAL swim across the Hudson River. I'll be jumping into the river with a whole bunch of Navy SEALs and other patriotic Americans, combat veterans, first responders, as we swim across the Hudson River to raise money for the Navy SEAL Foundation, which is the top foundation which helps out the frogmen and their families. I've been doing my best to raise money through my campaign. You can find the link to that in the description of today's podcast episode as well. I really encourage all you guys to check it out. Tune in to either Fox or on Newsmax. They will be covering the event. In my opinion, it's the most patriotic New York, New Jersey event all year long. Uh, They're going to be covering the event. It's early. About 8 o'clock it's going to start. Uh, They'll probably have some coverage of it earlier than that on Fox and Newsmax, August 19th, this Saturday. I hope you guys can check it out. It's going to be the honor of a lifetime to swim amongst so many heroes across the Hudson River. All right, and be sure you guys are following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. Be sure you check me out on Rumble with the Alec Lace Show. I got Dr. Ben Carson joining me on the Alec Lace Show on Thursday. I'll be going live with him on Rumble at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just search First Class Fatherhood on Rumble and you'll be able to find me. And as always, please help me spread the word about today's podcast, every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, and let them know about the show that is here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it every day is Father's Day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Victor Boyce on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Victor Boyce. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you so much for having me, Alec. It was a pleasure to have you here. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old? Well, I have two. Uh, my daughter is going to be 22, and my son left this earth at 20 years old, almost 40 years ago. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, very sorry to hear that, Victor. We're going to jump into that in just a second here. But for my listeners who don't know, please take a second to hit them with a little bit about your background and what you do. 
Well, my background is, um, my personal background was, I was in sales forever. And a long time ago, my son was very little. He started to dance at preschool and that led to him going out on auditions for print ads because some other kids that were dancing were doing that. And fast forward, he was on a TV show, a bunch of movies. He did a whole bunch of things for Disney. Uh, Because of him, I got to travel the world. And so I left sales, kind of became dadager uh, for a long time. And um, so my son has some notoriety. Um, I think the last time I looked, he had millions and millions of followers on Instagram, even though he's not posting, obviously, anymore. So I don't even look at that anymore. It's too hard to look at. But um, thank goodness I still have my daughter because she is my everything. Uh, My whole dad, uh, essence and aura is all into her. And um, she's going to be a senior in college right uh, next semester. So I'm very proud of her. And that's what's going on with me. Yeah, incredible, Victor. And and so t- take me back, if you could, to the beginning of this story, then for your fatherhood journey about 22 years ago, as you said, uh, how old were you when you first became a dad? And how did that experience change your perspective on life? Oh, my goodness. So my, my first child was my son. Um, I was 35 or six. I think I was 36. So I'm, I was a late dad. Some of my friends had kids when they were 20 years old, which was not really good for them, uh, you know, being kids themselves. So I was lucky enough to be uh, a little more mature when I had my first son. Um, But the thing is, kids don't come with a manual. And so I was like not really understanding how serious of a job a fatherhood was for a long time uh, until I think when my son went to preschool. And then I realized he's not. What I realized was he is an individual. He is his own person. He is not meaning me. He is not. uh, He's already like not fully formed, but he is born how he's going to be. Like I I recognized that later when he was older, that he's the same person as he was in preschool, just more evolved. So, um, you know, the fatherhood journey for me has been, I'm sure for every dad, it's all learning all the time. Because as soon as you think you know one thing, then they grow into another phase. You know, it was supposed to be the terrible twos, but for me, it was the terrible threes. He was great at two. Three was the, the one. And then I have my daughter. So now that's a whole different experience because it's kind of different for a dad, at least speaking for myself. Girls and boys were completely different. Uh, My wife would accuse me of having favoritism towards my daughter, but it wasn't that. It's just that I thought, you know, sons needed a certain way and daughters needed a certain way. Uh, So it's just all learning all the time, I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Victor. I have four. We have four kids ourselves and uh, wow. three boys. Then we have three boys. Then got the girl on the fourth try uh, yep. who was a, a huge fan of the descendants and your son in those movies. So, uh, okay. uh, but, you know, it is it is different. It's definitely a different uh, dynamic, especially, especially yes. when it comes to, to disciplining them as well. But yes. uh, and obviously, uh, unfortunately, the tragedy here with your son, Cameron, uh, died of sudden, unexpected death in epilepsy patients. How, now, it, it, how many people are affected by epilepsy in this country and how often are they dying from the same circumstances as your son did? Well, from what we know, one in 26 people will be affected by epilepsy, whether directly or indirectly, either they will have it or someone they know or their family member will have it. And that's a fact. As far as SUDEP deaths, the problem is um, we don't really know how many people are dying because oftentimes when someone dies of SUDEP, it's not uh, reported correctly. Like they may 
be uh, on their death certificate may say they died of a heart attack or they died of drowning or they died of something else, but they don't report the SUDA because they either don't know or they don't want to. There's there's many different things that we're trying to uh, figure out and fix because without having the correct number of people, um, if it's not diagnosed correctly or not reported, I should say correctly, then research dollars don't get funneled into that. So it's really important from our perspective to have those deaths correctly reported. Um, you know, it's it's many more than than are reported is the answer to your question, but I don't know the actual number. Yeah, wow, incredible. Uh, and, and so when did you guys first become aware? When did you first become aware that Cameron was suffering from epilepsy? And did that kind of take you back by surprise? And then you start figuring out, hey, uh, investigating this to see what could be done and what was the kind of treatments, if any, that he was undergoing at the time? Okay, well, surprise is a total understatement. Uh, we were completely blindsided because Cameron was, not only was he perfectly healthy, but as you know, he was doing his thing. He was acting. He's a great athlete, dancer. A lot of people that have epilepsy have seizures multiple times a day, and they're, they're seriously affected. Like they're, They can't do a lot of things, uh, especially children. But Cameron was not affected at all, and he didn't have a sort of seizure until he was 16 almost 17. So the first seizure was not only a surprise, but like, like how, why, like we were so confused. And when uh, we took him to the doctor, well, it was an emergency. We took him to the doctor right away because we didn't know what it was, but I didn't know he had a seizure. And so when they told us he had a seizure, I was like, why, why did he have a seizure? So they gave us a little pamphlet with a little bit of information. And the doctor said, I'll never forget this. He says, Sometimes you get a free seizure, you know, you have one and that's it. And so he kind of minimalized it. And so I was like, oh, great. That's good news. And sure enough, he didn't have another seizure for 13 months. So from the time that he had his first one to the second one, I literally forgot about it because he never had another one. Then when he had the second one, that's when it got super serious. And that, that's when technically you're diagnosed as epileptic. So you can have one seizure in your life and not be considered epileptic because seizures can be caused by many different things. Lack of sleep, drug use, on and on. There's, lot, there's lots of reasons why stress you could have a seizure. But if you have more than one, then typically you're considered epileptic. So at that point, then we go into the medication route and, and uh, KGs and tests and they try to induce seizures and all these things. Um, they tested his brain. They never found anything like sometimes you can see like a little abnormality in the brain, but they never found anything in his brain. And then again, the second seizure to the third, it was almost a year. It was like he had one a year. So when you have so few, it's really hard to pin down the medication. It's hard to pin down the causation, why he has a seizure. Some people, you know, like strobing lights will cause a seizure. There's so many different kinds of epilepsy. It's really, really uh, complicated. But with Cameron, it was especially complicated because he had so few in his life. So from the time he had his first one to the time he had his last one, we believe he only had five total, which makes it really hard to, to, to figure out. So it's super frustrating for us. Um, again, ginormous understatement. But for people suffering epilepsy, everybody's situation is a little bit different. And there's no magic cure. There's no magic bullet to, to fix it. So what, what we're trying to do is narrow it down a little bit through research dollars uh, to, to figure it out because 
you can have epilepsy and never die of pseudep, or you can have epilepsy and die of pseudep in a year. And which is, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really a, a hard thing to deal with. It is incredible to me that, especially in 2023, with all the advances we've made uh, scientifically, that we still have so many unknowns about this. And is this, uh, I know you have the Cameron uh, Boyce Foundation going. Is this, is this the main goal of this is to fund research in, into the epilepsy? Tell me about the foundation, the start of it, and what the goals are. Well, the start initially was to continue Cameron's things that he he was passionate about. He was passionate about arts. He was passionate about uh, he didn't want gun violence. You know, he, he was really passionate about, he worked a lot with uh, the Thirst Project to get wells for, for people who are suffering from water insecurity. Um, so that was our initial thing because he died so suddenly and he was doing all these things. We we're like, ah, we, he can't just die and that's it. So we wanted to continue his, uh, his, his causes, so to speak. But then it's, it, it came clear to me like, you know, epilepsy took my son's life. I think we need to do something more about that. I mean, that was part of it originally, but it wasn't the main part. So once we decided we're going to shift our focus completely to trying to do something about epilepsy, uh, originally it was to raise awareness because the thing about epilepsy, unlike cancer or some other uh, things that happen to people, other serious diseases, epilepsy didn't have a, a familiar face. Epilepsy didn't have a, a you know, a, oh, that he has epilepsy, so wow, that, I didn't know, and, and, and maybe I'm not so out of the ordinary. Like epilepsy has a stigma to it, and it has, it's like swept under the carpet. You know, you don't, you don't see that with cancer or other um, serious diseases. So unfortunately and fortunately for Cameron's face and notoriety has really helped us get traction really quickly as far as the foundation goes. I mean, we're tiny compared to like Cure, which is a really big, uh, epilepsy foundation and we partner with them, um, to help find researchers, but because Cameron's notoriety and his youth, we attract people that other organizations don't. And we have for us an obligation to continue that and to get traction, to get research dollars and mostly awareness. And my personal thing is to try to really dissolve and get rid of the stigma because we know there's other high profile people that have epilepsy that don't talk about it. They don't come out of the shadows and it would really help if they did, because then, like I said, more research dollars will go to it. More people will donate, more people will connect with those people as individuals who probably are suffering or are one of the one in 26 that we know have it uh, and, and just come together as a community in epilepsy to really do something about it. It's such scary stuff and God bless you for what you're doing. I can only imagine the difficulty of doing this while you're, you know, you're still grieving this loss of your son and having to be constant when you're talking about epilepsy every time that you do it. And what was it, Victor, what was it like for you? What was the struggle like for you as a father uh, dealing with the loss of your son while still trying to be a father for your daughter? What was that experience like trying to make sure you could still be a dad for her while you were grieving your son in that whole process? Man, there's no easy answer to that, man. There's just, you know, I, I think when something like this tragic happens, and it happens to everybody, I don't feel special that I lost my son. It happens. Everyone loses a loved one. Unfortunately, a lot of people lose their children as well. I mean, we've met so many people that have lost their children to suit up. The difference is my son had a public persona. So 
because of that, I'm constantly bombarded for good or for bad with, with, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So I'm constantly reminded. So it's really a heavy burden. In addition to just losing my son, that is a public loss. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a global loss. You know, Cameron was known worldwide. He has fans all over the world. And we get messages. And I really appreciate it. I really do. But, but constantly being bombarded doesn't always make me feel good because, like I said, I can't, I can't just even relax just for a second. Um, thank goodness for my daughter, because if I didn't have her, I, I, no kidding, I think I would spiral into depression, like, for sure. It was hard enough to lose my son. If, if, if that was my only child, uh, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I don't even know, really know. I can't even imagine to put myself in your shoes. I know you said there's so many. I think I, I would think it has to be somewhat beneficial to have other dads, other parents around you that have gone through this that can actually understand what it is that you're going through and to be able to share these kind of moments. And again, the importance to, to, to bring this awareness around and, and you know, progress you know, has been made, but still so much unknown to it. And to bring more, to shine the light on it, I think is really a, a blessing to so many other parents out there who may be afraid to speak up, but at least there's a place they can go to get some more information. And I think that would be the key once they first find out, like you did, what the heck is going on here? At least there's some place they can go to get the information. You hit it exactly. And that's that's one of our things. Like We felt like we didn't have a, a place to go because we didn't. There, I mean, maybe there was something, but not not so specific like like for our situation. And uh, what we try and do is make it dynamic. We try to make it accessible. We try to make it um, relatable because there's a lot of, uh, like I said, Cameron was relatable. Cameron is known. And so people, especially children that, that have it, they probably watched him on Disney and and it was like, wow, if, if he has it, I can... Maybe I can get some help or, or maybe I don't feel so weird or maybe, you know, my, my, my mom or dad can donate or, or, you know, just something like that. Like I said, they, we attract people who would never, ever ordinarily be talking about epilepsy. Um, and, and that's what we need is we need it to be mainstreamed. We need it to get out of the shadows like cancer, like Parkinson's or, or, or you know, pick your disease. Epilepsy to this day is still the most common disease that's the most least talked about yeah well well said and let me bring it back i know we were talking before about the difference between disciplining uh sons and daughters take me yes. back then to you uh growing up with them what what type of disciplinarian were you as a father with the kids growing up and is that different than the discipline style you grew up with <laughs> yes okay so the discipline style i grew up with was old school the belt <laughs> uh the switch which you know it's funny you ask that because originally when Cameron was about two or three and my first instinct when he did something wrong was to, you know, was to spank him. And I did spank him once or twice, but then I'm spanking him. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I didn't like this. Didn't work for me. And then I realized I could just talk to him. I could just tell him, explain to him why this was wrong, why you shouldn't do that, what the consequences of this were. And it really blew my mind like how much more he understood that than me just whacking his little butt. Um, but one thing I did learn with my daughter was I could just say, and you can ask her, I would say, Maya, I'm going to pop that butt. I would never hit her, but I would just tell her that. And then she wouldn't do it anymore. <laughs> so that worked for me. But I, I don't believe in spanking. You know, everybody's got their own style. I'm not telling people what to do. But I grew up getting spanked and like, it was like, 
more of this. It was like old school, like a really bad whooping, the way we used to call it. And it's like, you don't want to do that to your kids because they're much, much more intelligent and they can understand things much more than we used to think. Like, you know, we read early to our kids. We put our kids in preschool. We, we, we sang and music in the house always. I think that's why my son was so musical. He grew up with music from an infant. And these things all get into their little brains and they, they are super, super smart. Even when they can't articulate certain things, they know things that, that, you know, we would put it past. My parents probably didn't understand how smart I may have been as a child because they didn't think kids could be. But I know how smart they can be. And I always tell young parents, always read to your child, always sing to your child. Don't baby talk like people walking, go, goo goo gaga. No, speak words to my child. Don't do that goo goo gaga stuff because that's gibberish. Because they, they will understand what you're talking about. Even if they can't tell you, it will come out later. And when I look at my daughter, I talk to my daughter, she boggles my mind how intelligent she is. And it's not by accident. It's because we have enforced these things since an infant. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, you know, my, my father had me when he was 50 years old. He was born in 1930. So he came from a completely old school generation wow. as well. So his style of discipline, obviously. Uh, and what happened to me, like when the very first time I was spanking my son, my oldest son, when he was a when he was a kid, I, I remember thinking about the guilt that I felt from doing it, thinking like, did my right. dad feel this way? It didn't seem like if he did, he really hit it. Because no. he didn't seem like he cared whatsoever. Like, I'm like, no. how was there any emotion like that whatsoever? Like, it's, it's hard to believe. And I agree with you. Like it, it just seemed like it wasn't for me. So it was something that I did do, but never relied on as my discipline going forward. Cause I just, it just wasn't me. But I often wonder like dad's back is 90% Victor of the dads that I bring on this show. When I ask them the discipline question, almost all of them grew up with the belt or the switch or the, or, or whatever it may be, the paddle. Yeah. Whatever, and the they paddle. all say, yeah, they all say, hey, I don't do that to my kid. And I wonder if it's just because we like, I wonder sometimes how, could they have done it you know but it didn't seem like they mattered to them you know what the paddle that's crazy that you say that because even when i was in school in elementary school if you got in trouble at school they would send you to the office and whack you with a paddle can you imagine <laughs> sending your kids to school and the teachers are beating your kids that's how we, we grew up like they had this um it was a i don't know what kind of game it was the, it was a wooden paddle like a like a big ping pong paddle but it had holes in it so when they would whack you with that thing they would suck your butt in and the pull. I mean, that was nuts. This is somebody else beating your kid at school. So none of that is happening with my children, like no freaking way. Um, But that's how we grew up. That that was old school. And then like, no, no, you have to evolve as a human. You have to understand that things just because that's the way they were doesn't mean they're correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the same with, with, you know, with our, with our thing, with the epilepsy thing, you know, like people used to think people epileptics were were possessed or, or they were witches or something like, and people still think that in this in, in many parts of the world. So we have to <laughs> we have a long way to go to overcome a lot of crap um, to get to where we want to be, which is a cure for epilepsy. Um, yeah, definitely. It's going to be super difficult. I, I I'm not minimizing it. It's not like we're going to go presto change or we're going to cure it. it. It's 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 super duper complicated. And like I said, there's like 40-ish something types of epilepsy. Uh, SUDEP is a, is, a, is a byproduct. Of, it's not even epilepsy. It's a byproduct of epilepsy. So that's a whole nother can of worms. But um, the fact is that we have to put more eyes on it, put brilliant minds on it. There's scientists and people that are working really, really, really smart people. I am not an expert in any sense of the word. I am just 
a, a grieving father who happened to have a son who has some notoriety. But there's really, really smart people working on it. And, um, and we, we need even more. We need even more. And we need people to continue to donate, continue to talk about it. And please, if you're someone who is uh, a public figure and happen to have epilepsy or have, have it in your family, please come out and tell us about it so we can get more people on board to relate to you, whether if you're a football player or a baseball player or a NASCAR driver, whatever, come out and talk about it and, and, and let's stop hiding because that's one of the biggest problems that we have. Yeah, right on with that. And yeah, those super smart people that are working on it scientifically and all that can't yeah. do it without people like you bringing exactly. awareness to it. Now, I know we have, uh, you know, Epilepsy uh, Awareness Month is in November. What are you planning? What's the foundation? What do you got planned for November? You know, um, for for us, every Epilepsy Awareness Month, we try to do uh, more and we have fundraisers. We try and come out with fresh, you know, we have to keep people involved. So fresh merch and, and things like that and shirts and, and you know, always wear our purple. Purple is the color of epilepsy. Um, we, we have our annual fundraiser, usually uh, late May, early June, because that's when Cameron's birthday was. So that's when we do that. But Epilepsy Awareness Month, we just push hard for, um, for fan integration. And, and that's what we do. Um, it's for us, every day is Epilepsy Awareness yeah. Day. Every day is. So, you know, and, and I don't know, it, it sounds like, uh, I don't know how to put it. it. It's not like Epilepsy Awareness Month. It's like Black History Month. To me, every day is Black History Day. We have to have a month like that. That's just kind of minimizing it to me. I think we need to push every day and, and, and keep it in the public eye daily. 24 seven, 365. It's because it's, it's not going to get better unless we always push. I, lo I love that. One of the things I constantly say on this show is every day is father's day for me. Yes. You know? So that, I, I constantly yes. push that as well. It's not one day where I'm like, Oh, today's nah. my day to be a father, nah. you know? So exactly. I agree with you there. Um, all right. Well, I, you know, all the links to the foundation, your socials will be in the description of today's podcast episode. And I really encourage all the listeners to at least, uh, if not for anything else, check it out and share it on your socials. At least we could do that. That's the least you could do. If not donate, share it on the socials because spreading yes. the word can mean so much. So I really encourage all the parents listening to do so. And uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, Victor, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Be present, be present all the time. And like I said before, always talk to your kids, even the infant. If you think, think that you, they know what you're talking about, they do. They just can't talk back. So always talk to your child, always send to your child and, and, and tell them you love them every day because you never know what's going to happen. I know that sounds cliche, but trust me, you never know. It, it, I'll tell you this. The night before Cameron passed, we went to dinner and thank goodness because the last thing I saw, I saw him go into his house and last thing I told him was, I love you. And he went in the house and that was it. Just imagine if, if I didn't, or if I didn't see him before, like it would just be even worse than it already is. It's already devastating. So always tell your child you love them and, and, and just be present. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. Uh, Victor Boyce, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving thank me a few you. minutes of your time thank here you, in first class fatherhood. Thank you too, Alec. Thank you. you have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. 
You can order First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.